Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is March 5th, 2023, and we're continuing our worship service where we left off. We're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. Well, thank you, Doug. Thought of the week. This unique group is a part of the foundation of the church. It is not necessary about the actual people, but the special revelations the Father was able to disclose through them. Apostles and prophets are authoritative authority communication gifts, clearly given by the Spirit of God to the church. There are a couple of observations we should consider here. One, since the church did not exist in the Old Testament, these foundation gifts to the church did not operate until the New Testament. Two, apostles and prophets are in the foundation of the church and have a distinct purpose for the church. Today, many have taken these titles to themselves and adopted them, overlooking the true purpose of God. This reminds me of children playing dressed up and putting on their parents' work clothing, while children's dress-up games are amusing to try and masquerade as an apostle or prophet. It is not funny at all. There are none now and cannot ever be any apostles or prophets today, period. They laid the foundation on which we stand. However, what the Father was able to do to the to, to them stand. We stand on the accomplishments or our objectives not to continue to lay the foundation, but to contend for the for that faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Jude chapter one verse three. Are you disappointed that I take this step, do you fashion yourself as a prophet or apostle? Do you have respected leaders in your church who liberally use these titles? More important than all of that, do you understand the unique message the Father communicated to these gifted believers? Do you stand on that message. Well, taking to understand this, many do not understand the dispensations, first of all. They want to try to combine all, and many think that prophets still exist today. We know that through the church and through the word of God, prophecy only was communicated before the new church began. Once the new church began, we have God's written word in communication. 
show that until the resurrection of the church, there are no prophecies. So that's what we get of the thought of the week. So at this time, I will have the white givers open up in prayer. Amen, Dave. <clears throat> Amen, and thank you very much, Steve. Uh, before I start the prayer, um, I know we have concerns for our families. Um, do we have any special concerns on top of that? Uh, yeah, my this is my Aunt Mary, still in hospice, so continue to lift her family in prayer as well. Okay. All right, let me, let me, uh, let's continue in prayer then. And uh, I'll start at this point. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for recognizing what is on our hearts before the words come out of our mouth. You know um, how much we love you, and you know that we are also concerned about um, the people we are with in, on this earth. Even though we know our lives are like a puff of vapor, um, here today and gone tomorrow, and that yet we, our souls will live for eternity, we do have concern for our conditions here, knowing this is not, um, knowing that this is the, uh, under the power of, of uh, Satan. We pray for those um, in hospice care, such as Mary and others who are, um, who are suffering and um, going through end-of-life processes at this time as well. Um, we pray for those who would um, have the capacity to understand you, to put their will and their, their belief and their faith in, in all that you do. Um, and may we also continue to be humble and recognize that um, faith belongs in this direction as well. Pray for um, our immediate families and also our extended families, even um, chosen families. Um, not everybody grows up in a place that they would consider home um, because of the abuse and things that take place. So people may choose a, a different family, and, and certainly that is uh, not as fine. So I pray for everyone's health issues and, and financial issues, the things that we are you know, engaged in, in this world um, in order to exist in it. There are certain things that we have to do, and you know that we are doing these things, Father. Um, we ask you to watch over us and to keep us safe, keep us safe in our travels, and keep us safe from natural disasters and accidents, all kinds of aggression, war and crime, etc. But we know this world is, is under the power of Satan, as I said, and this is not our home. We are sojourners. We're only here temporarily. And this is not going to, and our existence here is not going to be without these things getting worse. So we can expect them because we have been told by the Lord that we will have trouble in this world. Help us to remember to be humble and that um, we should remember our true identity, who we are and whose we are that we have the very spirit of God inside of us. So I'd like to end with the prayer of Paul in Ephesians um, that is oh so powerful. Um, in chapter 3, verse 16, starting in verse 16, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And, and amen. Thank you. Uh, Dwight, thank you, Dave. We appreciate uh, your contributions. And we are going to move on into our next segment here. Uh, we're in the book of Galatians. We are just about at the end of the first chapter. And uh, we're going to, we're, that's where we're going to pick up. Uh, so you should all have notes in your notes as we launch out into Galatians chapter 1. Our hope is to be familiar with the foundational material before us. This book has themes that are rich in our understanding of grace and living the Christian way of life. It's been around about 12 years since our last focus. It's been about 12 years since our last focus on the book. We will do a chapter review on each chapter to remind us of the content. <clears throat> so we already are moving all the way down in our notes to the section of Galatians 1, 20 and 21. We'll, we'll just re we may have to review a little bit, but we're going to get to it. Uh, actually, yeah, Galatians, we'll, we'll pick up there, Galatians 1, 20 and 21. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you, writing you, is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. <clears throat> so that is point number eight, Galatians 1, 20 <clears throat> and 21. We'll pick up and review a little bit and then we'll get right into where we were last week. Paul continues to insist that what he is writing is accurate. Why? There must have been accusations that his gospel was an aberration. And we covered some of these points. People were afraid of the Apostle Paul. And it, they may have thought, oh, it's a ruse to get believers to trust him. And then he's going to arrest them and turn them over to the chief priests and the Pharisees. He... You know, so people looked at him sideways because of that. They, Paul's giving, uh, uh, Paul's going to be speaking at the church down uh, at the corner, and then people would say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going down there. That's point B, or his ministry was a rouse to, to entrap unsuspecting believers. That's the point. People did not trust the Apostle Paul. He had to establish himself as someone trustworthy. And just imagine if he jumps up and says, By the way, the Lord Jesus told me that I was to be an apostle, and he told me all the things I must suffer. People would say, Sure he did. Sure he did. 
and they wouldn't believe him. So God, <clears throat> the way Paul established his authority and his apostleship was through teaching. He went out and began to teach the word of God in a way that was spiritually inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. So point C, when it comes to God and our understanding, we must have humility expressed in intellectual honesty. I gave some passages here and talked about how the word of God is good for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for all of that. When it comes to the word of God, we need to be true with God. He already knows our heart, but we don't. So intentionally, we want to be intellectually honest with the word of truth. <clears throat> so if the word shows up certain things in our lives, then so be it. That's what it shows. And we have to recognize that uh, we have choices to make when God shows us something. We can either, in humility, say, okay, God, I recognize this is some doctrinal thing that I need to work out. I, mean, I, I could see where I'm saying one thing and the Word of God is saying something else. That's what we call intellectual honesty. God showed you where you were wrong and you have the opportunity to repent, to change your mind when it comes to what God has shown you. I like what it says in Romans 4, it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And that <clears throat> thought in Romans shows me that God, it is the goodness of God that shows us where we are wrong. God could just say, well, go on and be wrong. No, but he intervenes. But then it's still up to us to choose the right thought when it comes to, when it comes to teaching especially. And now we're talking about a new age, a new dispensation dawning. And God demonstrated that this was the truth through signs, wonders, and various miracles given by the Holy Spirit. He demonstrated that it was the truth. So he didn't leave it to whatever makes the most sense to us or whoever is the most persuasive in their argument whoever is the most dynamic and moves people emotionally. He didn't leave it to those. He left it to a demonstration of who he was by power. Like he says that in 1 Corinthians 2 as well. So it's important that we recognize when God shows up on the scene and he says, no, I'm not, that's not the direction. This is direction. This is where you should walk. <clears throat> and he clearly makes that known that it was the church he did establish the apostle Paul and brought him into the mix of the other dis uh, apostles we're going to say so point D Paul invokes God as his witness to these events and we covered these verses but I the, the thought here was that Paul wasn't afraid to say that God showed up in his life and believe me Paul was certainly going the opposite, not just in the wrong direction, but he was going in the opposite direction for Christians, right? against Christians. He was rounding them up and throwing them into prison and even was 
assenting to having them killed for their testimony about Jesus Christ. So, but Paul is saying that he not, now his conscience is clean. He is bearing witness to the truth that uh, is, has been displayed in his life. And that is a part of it, that this intellectual honesty, when God shows us something, when he shows up in our lives, that we follow him, just like Saul did on the Damascus Road. He followed the power of God, and he sh where God showed up in his life, and the, through signs, wonders, and miracles. And what did the apostle do? He dropped and his stance, and he admitted that he was wrong. And he followed Christ. Before he followed Christ, he had to admit that he was wrong. He couldn't follow Christ and hold on to all the things that he, he once held to be true about him being false messiah and this new uh, age being a blight on Israel's uh, you know history. No, 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 no. Paul had to drop all that and, and come on board to the new dispensation. And he did just that. He dropped it all, and he turned around, and he followed Christ. That's what we call repentance, being intellectually honest. When someone shows you that the path you're walking is incorrect, according to the Word of God, then you ought to have the humility to change. When you see <clears throat> that somebody... Who, who persists with you and goes down the road and shows, you know, where they're coming from and then what does the word say? And you go through this and the person sees it and then they resort to believing whatever they want to believe anyway. That's a lack of humility. For that person, it could be persons or churches even, even Jesus says, if you don't repent, I will remove your lampstand from among you. <clears throat> you will not prevail with God. You won't be walking with God, that's for sure. Intellectual honesty. It is our job to bring people to that intellectual honesty. How do we do it? By the spirit of truth and the, the scriptures that we have in front of us. We're showing what God's will is purpose and his plan is for our lives. We're showing what his salvation is. And if people don't listen or they don't want to hear it, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting God who <clears throat> will be witnessing to their hearts. So this is the thought of intellectual honesty. Paul had it and we saw where it took him. Point E. I went to Syria and Cilicia Paul's travels to this region show his influence in establishment of believers and churches. We already uh, looked at a couple places where Paul went, and he, what did he do? He didn't, he, he got right busy. He didn't just sit down and relax and take it easy. He, he got busy. Learned, he, first, he learned from the Lord Jesus Christ. As we said, there was supplemental information that Christ gave him. Paul was away for three years. And then, you know, he said he went to Arabia and then back to Damascus and so forth. And then he went and start, he got busy. 
Acts records, the book of Acts records what Paul did. And we, we went to some of these verses where Paul, he went right into the synagogues. He began to establish churches wherever he went. He was preaching the gospel and this new age information. He was a, he, as true to his calling, that was what he was called to do. Sure enough, that is what he did. He got busy. Point F, point F in our notes. Some thoughts about the timeline. Many of the events raised happened over a period of 30 to 40 years. This is to say we are given highlights in time, not the full moment-by-moment -moment narrative. And that's good for you to have in your belt going forward, under your belt, I think is the expression. <clears throat> Why? Because... You, you should know that the book of Acts doesn't read like, yeah, so Paul went here, then it says he went there, then it says... It does not read that way. Now, now some of the stories that are highlighted read that way. This is what happened, and then he said this, and then they said that, and this is what happened. But then there could be gaps of years mentioned. And, uh, and then the next thing that happens, it, it could be years later. So some of that you have to sort of piece together because you can't give 30 or 40 years of a person's life in uh, the letters that we have in front of us. So what God the Holy Spirit does is he brings forward certain events that happened in the lives of these apostles and prophets and he picks those events out and presents them to us, preserves them for us so that we can benefit and grow in grace and that we would have a full-orbed view of what God needs us to know. We can't show all the events that happen. I like the way the Apostle John says it. He says, there were many other things that Jesus did. And we're only talking about in a three-and-a-half-year period that John and the other disciples were with Jesus, walking with Jesus, watching and beholding miracle after miracle, day after day. They said, man, there wouldn't be, a, John is maybe is exaggerating to a point. He says there wouldn't be enough books to contain all the things that Jesus did. It was just so much. But he said, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you will have life in his name. And so we, we get from that, who picked these things out? It wasn't John that picked these things out and said, well, I think these would be the most moving stories. No, it was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who directed John to write the things that he did. He's the author, not John, even though John was a witness, he told John what to write. And there were some things that John was told to write that he wasn't there to be able to, to say I was a witness. Because that's what prophets do. They are those who breathe out the will of God. So just know that that's an point F is an important point for you to figure and consider and think about because you are, when we look at the book of Acts and we look at even the narrative here that we have in Galatians, 
we need to make sure we understand this. God has given us this information. And yes, can we make it make sense in terms of the timeline? Yes, we can. Yes. Commentaries have done it. They've not only figured out Paul's missionary journeys, and it wasn't just one, it was many. It's three or, or so, three or four journeys that Paul took. And they showed how he did it, when he did it, and all that. If you wanted to research all that information out to the, to the ground, you can. It's there. And I'm, I appreciate that somebody has taken the time and done that for us. So we have the record. And, and if you're interested in that sort of thing, go for it. Make sure you are an expert at it, if that's where you're called or you feel you're called to do. But what we're doing is trying to benefit from the results of what was given to us. What was given to us has been what the Holy Spirit thinks we need for life and understanding the plan of God in this age. So he's given us this set of information, this, this uh, uh, small portion of a period of over 30 or 40 years. <laughs> years. I think when we get to chapter 2, Paul says, um, yeah, so after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. After 14 years, oh my gosh, we were just talking about his conversion. Now he's talking about after 14 years. That means he had already gone to Jerusalem, so it was probably another three years where he didn't go up to Jerusalem. So that's 17 years. So you can't say, oh yeah, so then Paul did this, and then he did that, then he did this, and you created a timeline based on the highlights of what happened in time. I'm just putting, pointing this out. Hopefully this is not... This is not a point to try to dissuade you from believing the Bible, but it is a point that you can put the Bible in the proper context that it is given to us. Now, that's an important point to note. Point nine, we're moving forward. <clears throat> Galatians one twenty two is number nine. It's a scripture. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. <clears throat> personally unknown to the churches in Ju of Judea that are in Christ. Point A, Judea is south of where Paul began his ministry, and Judea was uh, where the region where Jerusalem was. And so Paul is saying um, <clears throat> most of his um, experience was in the north, and also Tarsus, where Paul was from, was also in the north. It was not in the south. So where Paul was, all the places that he frequented and the synagogues that he went into were more north of Jerusalem. So his point here is that he was unknown to the churches. He didn't go down there. Remember, he didn't spend a lot of time. Why? I would say the disciples or the apostles they were the ones who established those churches. They were the ones who those churches knew and respected as the authority. So Paul is saying, I really didn't have much authority in those churches. <clears throat> I, I, they really didn't know me, and I didn't know them. So that was part of the, the reason for him saying the things he's saying here. So then, <clears throat> and it goes on point B, 
Paul developed a reputation in this area as an enemy of the faith. Uh, <clears throat> and, and my question was, would you have trusted this person that, that is now being called the Apostle Paul? He didn't have, he says, I, I was unknown to the churches that were in that region and they didn't know me, I didn't know them. And would you, have, my question is, would you have trusted this man? And again, I, it refers me back to the previous point F where there was a period of time that had passed. And Paul demonstrated who he was, not only over time, but by the work that he did, by going into synagogues and uh, starting new churches in areas that, <clears throat> that were um, previously not Christian. He, he had gone to these places and established his authority by teaching these churches. So this is where we're ending up in the book of Galatians, where Paul went to this region and began to start churches. It wasn't just one church in Galatia. It was more than one. We don't know. It says churches. So we don't know exactly how many, but there were churches in the region. Paul is the one who was credited for going out under the authority of God, the Holy Spirit, and starting these churches. So, would we have trusted Paul? I, I think we probably would because of the work that he put in for the cause of Christ. Point C, I like the terminology that he uses in Christ. And I quote the verse, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. So what, when we say in Christ, that is a specific designation. That was not a designation that it could have, he could have used as a Pharisee or someone who was talking about or promoting Israel. It is unique to the age in which we live, this new church age. People could talk, see all the references to in Christ and in Christ in the New Testament and not see the significance of what it really means, so, which is why I quote the verse that Paul brings out. He's using the phrase, oh, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. That's the unique designation for this age. Paul He's the one who's letting us know it is. there's more behind this phrase than meets the eye. He is the consummate teacher here. And so now we're going on to <clears throat> 10. So in 10, we got another verse. It's Galatians 1, 23 and 24. I think this is where we're going to end this thought. So uh, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. So this is 23 and 24. So let's, there's a few points here and then we're going to close. We won't take too much more of your time on chapter 1. <clears throat> so uh, point A, they only heard the report. So news spread quickly about Paul's conversion. Good news also travels fast too, or at least it should. 
Now, this first point is to say that uh, the bad news about Saul traveled fast. We know this because when we looked at Annas, when, when he came to Damascus and, and the prophet there was given a vision and told to go straight street and, 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 and see and meet a man named Saul. <clears throat> and so he, he said, hold on, Lord, you know who this man is. Let me just point out to you, he's caused a lot of problems for the church and so forth. He pointed that out to the Lord. Can you imagine him saying that? The Lord said, go, I'm telling you, go to this place and I'm telling you, go. So the Lord already knew that uh, Saul had changed his mind about Christ. And this, you know, but the reason why Annas had this attitude is because it wasn't just him having the attitude. It was widely known of what this man Saul was doing to the Christian church. He was trying to destroy it. And people were dying under the authority that he was bringing on the Christian church at the time. So the news about Saul and the things he was doing spread to all the believers. In fact, not only did it spread, but Paul caused it, or Saul caused it to spread because of the persecution that he brought to the church. The persecution, the church started in Jerusalem. And the, the believers there were separated because of this persecution. And they went to all these different areas. Even Damascus, which is far north. Of, we said it was 150 miles from Jerusalem. And um, so believe, how did believers get there? Well, it was because it was, they were spread because of persecution. Persecution pushed believers out of Jerusalem into all of these other regions, especially northern regions. That so so and there was so much uh, of a of, of a presence for Christians in the north in Damascus that the apostle Paul thought or Saul thought he could go there, <clears throat> and here he would find a concentration of believers of the way, and this, here he would round them up, right? He, you wouldn't travel that far unless it would be significant. If there was like one or two people there, or just a few people there, I don't think he would have traveled or considered traveling to Damascus. But there must have been a significant number of believers. And why did they get there? How did they get there? Persecution. And when the name Saul came up, <clears throat> they quickly said, no, no, that person is the enemy. We know him, him as the enemy. And so that was bad news. It traveled fast. <laughs> but we ought to know good news also travels fast. And I, as I said, it should. We sh- when there is good news, we should be telling the good news. People should know. The gospel is good news. That's the word, euangelion. It means good news. That's literally what it means. Point B in our notes here formally persecuted us. They only heard the report, right, that the man who formally persecuted us. So, so that's who they recognized. They might not even have heard his name. I'm sure they knew his name. <clears throat> but 
this is the report that they heard, and we have the record of it. The man who previously persecuted us, there it is. And when did he previously persecute these people? When they were in Jerusalem. Is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And that is true. He tried to destroy. He thought <clears throat> he, that the, the New Age was trying to destroy Israel because we were saying that uh, we're not under the Mosaic Law. Now, we know from reading Romans 11 and going through the study that God is not finished with Israel. Israel will continue on the scene after God's uh, eternal purpose for the church is realized. We saw that in uh, Romans chapter 11. So, but the Jews didn't care. They were like, no, 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 we don't, we reject that. Even though there were signs, wonders, and miracles attesting to the fact that this is God, the new direction of God. They were stubborn and they didn't care. They said, no, we are the people of God and this is the only way that God can operate is through us. So, uh, no, it, so they they uh, succumbed to arrogance, the intellectual honesty we already talked about. They did not have. So this point here, they formally persecuted us, and they understood Paul's efforts to destroy the church personally. So never underestimate <clears throat> the power of the gospel, is what I'm. I'd like to point out in First John. 4, 4. Let's read it. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, you dear children, children, are not from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So um, this is where the Apostle John is saying, and it just, this reminds me of this verse. That that's why I wanted to bring it to you. Because we don't, we recognize that there is our forces against us. And sometimes we could think about those forces that they are insurmountable. We may look at those forces and say, wow, how can we possibly ever flourish or even survive under the pressure of the persecution that is against us? But we don't want to think about this only in terms of what we can see. We want to always think about it in terms of what God has shown us and what the calling that we have before us. And, and that if God has sanctioned us to go out into this world and to do the things that we are you know, commissioned to do, then he's providing a way for us. And he's making the, uh, the he's giving the power to overcome the evil one, the one who was in the world. So while that may get the press and, and the news and the reports and all this stuff, we shouldn't allow that to, uh, to, to cause us to lose confidence in the calling that we have received. We have, to, we have to understand that greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. Who's the Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ. Did he, he already defeated Satan, triumphing over Satan by the works of the, that he did on the cross. So Satan is a defeated foe. He will 
not survive. <laughs> we should, should understand that even though it looks like he has the advantage right now, he will eventually fall. And God has commissioned us to go out into the world and to do two things. One, to bring the gospel to those lost souls and to, as, as, as we know, to bring everyone to the full knowledge of the truth. And so this is important for us in the world. God has a mission for us. So this point B is they formerly persecuted us. They understood Saul's efforts to destroy the church personally. Never underestimate the power of the gospel. So even though they ran, they went to Damascus and other places, you would say, wow, that's, they were scared. They were afraid. Well, God used their flight to continue to establish churches in other areas. And these believers met, and they became churches in those areas. And Paul met with them and went to synagogues. There were Jews there that he witnessed to as well and converted. So this is uh, interesting as we see how things worked out, even though Saul, on the one hand, was mean and angry and a, a, a terrible enemy to the church on the other hand he once he changed his mind and believed in Christ he became a power a force to be reckoned with with God the Holy Spirit so he he received those reports right and this is point C this, there was <clears throat> so there was a time for praise and thanksgiving so Paul obviously received reports about them too so, in other words, they heard that the man that was formerly persecuting the church is now uh, praising, he's, he's now one who's praising God, right? He's, he's, uh, and, and they praised God because of me, Paul said. Well, there was a time for praise, that there was this man who was the enemy of God is taken off the scene and has now become a force to be reckoned with on our side. So they praise God because of Paul. So there is a time for praise and thanksgiving when we see these things happen. And so Paul heard this, because we're hearing this from Paul, and he's saying, they praise God because of me. What is that to say? Even though I have not visited these churches, that they are those who would welcome the Apostle Paul even though he had before formerly you know they had all these bad reports about Paul Paul is saying when I'm ready to go down there now God the Holy Spirit has made a way in the hearts of these believers to hear the new message the new dispensation that is uh, that God wants us to proclaim so it is important that they saw this as well point D they praised God Right? And <clears throat> notice, they praise God, not the Apostle Paul. And that phrase is interesting because today, it seems like they'd be praising the minister. Right? And, 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 and instead of praising people, we should realize that the people are being influenced by the power of God. It is about humility. Those who are great in this world are those who have humility, those who allow God to use them, those who 
put aside their lives, their ambitions, their thoughts, and they allow God's thoughts to reign in their heart. Those are the ones who we recognize, but really, when we look through the situation, we realize that they are what they are because of what God has given them and shown them. So those who have the greatest humility are going to be those who are the greatest in God's view. And not only that, to hear from God, to even hear the deeper things from God, if we were to talk about maturity, then it is who is, who is the one who is mature? It is the one who has great humility. I like what it says about Moses. He says, at that time, Moses was the most humblest person or we don't have to say the most humblest we could just say Moses is was the humblest person on the earth at that time and God worked miraculous signs wonders and miracles through Moses how did he do it because of Moses's humility and submission to God that's how he was able to use Moses to extract those slaves out of Egypt. So when we think about it, we don't want to praise man. We don't want to look at this and say that uh, God, uh, or that some man was powerful, you know, or, or that this man has something. No, the man only has the message of God on his lips. And just like it says, uh, in the verse that in point D, not by works, so that no one can boast. So Paul can't take to the reports. Oh yeah, they love me now. <laughs> I'm I'm coming. I'm coming down there, and I and they love me now. I can't wait to. That's not the point that he makes here. That's not the point of all of this that God the Holy Spirit wants to show us in 2023. He wants to show that they praise God because of Paul. Not They did not praise Paul, they praised God because they knew that God is the one that presented himself to the Apostle Paul. And all Paul did was change his mind and believed in the truth, believed in Christ. It's the same with us. When we come to salvation, it is not by works, not anything we did. But we did want, we did do something what did we do in our salvation? We made a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what God did because of that decision, he saved us. He justified us. He imputed his righteousness to us. He, and then all the, the benefits and the indwelling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, all the things that God did through us because of that one decision that we made to believe in Christ. And when we believe in Christ, it is not by works. So we can't have faith, a faith that includes works. We must have a faith that is not by works. Because if we don't, people would be boasting. They could be telling you about what they did and how uh, their sincerity and all the things that they may want to accentuate as to why they are who they are in Christ. But it is not by works so that no one
can boast. So this is, we've finished with chapter one, uh, and and pretty decent time. We started around uh, one twenty at the end of January, and we're just about finished. We're headed into chapter two next week. So I did have the opening. I did have some notes on chapter two. I didn't want to confuse the issue by bringing those notes forward at this point. I wanted to really finish chapter one, which we did. But I'll read the opening that I have in chapter two, which you don't have in your notes. And then we will conclude this week. And next week, we'll pick up right there in chapter two. So chapter two, the notes are as follows. The Apostle Paul established his calling and the decisions made to keep it authentic. This new calling comes with a new dispensation revealed at Pentecost, just as Jesus promised. Paul reveals details about his ministry and establishes himself among the other apostles. He received the right hand of fellowship from his peers and there was agreement on how to proceed. Paul recalls an incident with Peter. <clears throat> he saw the Jewish influences on the church and quickly addressed the matter publicly. This gives Paul an opportunity to show the metal of the new revelation. It also establishes the theology and foundation of the church going forward for all the apostles. So, we got a lot to, to, to look at next week. There's, we, we will begin next week with uh, chapter Galatians chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, but as it is, we are going to uh, conclude this week we, as we have finished the overview of chapter 1. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time, this opportunity we've had together to talk about these important matters. And Father, we thank you. In chapter 1, you revealed things that we hadn't seen before in particular, that we maybe hadn't had an opportunity to focus on that we do now. And we pray that as we go forward in chapter 2 and the successive chapters, that you will continue to reveal uh, and fill in the gaps of our knowledge and wisdom so that we can understand you better and we could have the humility to walk according to your path. All of this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.